Many years ago, Greek King Ptolemy gathered 72 elders for a translation of the Bible. It was called the Septuagint, and the rabbis made a number of differences in the translation from the original. Why did they do it? In today's transformative daf, we are on daf test page 9 of Megillah. Find out why the changes were made, why the Torah had to be repackaged. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Welcome to the transformative daf. King Ptolemy of Egypt once gathered 72 Jewish elders into 72 separate chambers, and he didn't tell them for what purpose he'd gathered them. He entered each room and said, Translate the Torah of your teacher Moses into Greek for me. The Almighty placed wisdom into the heart of each one, and they all reached the same conclusions. Every time the literal translation would have left the reader with a misunderstanding of the true meaning of the text, which could have had negative ramifications for the Jewish people, they amended it. Miraculously, despite having no contact with one another, they were able to work in unison to ensure that the Torah would not be misconstrued by heretics for their idolatrous purposes. My first encounter with Christian missionaries was as a young teenager in Sydney, Australia. One of the local bus drivers, Tuvia, was a Messianic Jew. Tuvia was the friendliest bus driver in Bondi. He would welcome every passenger that boarded his bus and proceed to give a running commentary en route, as if he were operating a tour bus. Inevitably, despite being a local, you learned something new about the area from Tuvia each time you travelled with him. But Tuvia was a messianic, and messianics have an agenda. It wasn't just Bondi sites he wanted to teach. Seeing my Yamalka, Tuvia didn't hold back as he attempted to show me the light of his heretical beliefs. Looking back, I wonder how appropriate was it was for him to be harassing this 13-year-old passenger with theological questions. But at the time, I took it in stride and researched and responded to his provocations. The first question he posed to me was the meaning of the verse, let us make man in our image as in our likeness. Clearly, said Tovia, there was more than one divine being that created man, an early prefiguration of Christian doctrine. But I was far from the first Jew who had to deal with these taunts. As they sat in King Ptolemy's chambers, the elders of Israel already anticipated such contentions. How did they respond? Says the Gemara, King Ptolemy once assembled 72 Jewish elders. The Holy One, blessed be he, placed wisdom in the heart of each and every one, and they all agreed to one common understanding. They wrote for him, God created in the beginning, reversing the order so that it was not misinterpreted as Beratius created God. And they wrote, I shall make man in image and in likeness, rather than let us make man in our image as in our likeness. And in the list of non-kosher animals, they wrote for him the short-legged creature. And they didn't write the rabbit, since the name of Ptolemy's wife was Rabbit, so that he wouldn't say the Jews have mocked me and inserted my wife's name in the Torah. In an effort to ensure the Torah's message wouldn't be distorted, the 72 elders fine-tuned their translations in various places throughout the Torah. Let's explore a sample of their teachings. The first reframing offered by the elders is the very first phrase of the Torah in the beginning God created, which was switched around to God created in the beginning. Rav Hanoch Gevhart 
describes the difference between the Jewish perspective on the divine versus that of the non-believer. Already before we open up the Torah, our faith is rock solid. Our belief in Hashem precedes the first word. By contrast, the non-believer needs to be persuaded of Hashem's providence by encountering Him immediately upon opening the first word of the Torah. In other words, the Gemara's message to us is that our commitment to heaven must be complete before we even begin to seek to understand. Just like we declared Nasevanishma, when God offered us the Torah, we will do and then we will understand, our entire approach to Yiddishkeit must be one of complete faith and unquestioning commitment prior to any inquiry. In the Second Amendment, the elders changed the plural let us make man to the singular form, fearing that Ptolemy would infer that there were multiple deities who made man together. Nachmanides explains that God fashioned everything in this world from the physical matter he had created. Everything was created from the earth, except man. When it came time to create human beings, God turned to the earth and invited heaven and earth to unite in the creation of man. We are not physical beings. We are not spiritual beings. We are a unique combination of heaven and earth. Each human being consists of body and soul. Every moral choice we make is an opportunity to transcend this world. There is, however, a difference between Jews and non-Jews, which necessitated an amendment to the text in order to avoid confusion. The difference lies in our ability to sanctify this world and transform the physical into the spiritual. Every human being has the ability to perform divinely inspired acts and make this world a better place. Jewish or not, every act of kindness and every charitable activity brings delight to our Father in Heaven. Nevertheless, the impact of the Jewish people upon the world is a little different. When the Torah was given, the world changed. It wasn't our performance of mitzvahs. Our sages teach that our forefathers kept the Torah even prior to the 6th of Sivan 2448. So what changed on that day? The Midrash offers a parable of two nation-states with closed borders between them. That was the situation between heaven and earth until the Torah was given. But on that day, the borders opened. Heaven could descend to earth, and earth could ascend to heaven. Practically speaking, what happened was that on that day we were given special powers to draw down the divine into this physical world and transform the mundane into the spiritual. We can now take a piece of cowhide and some ink and elevate it to the status of a Sefer Torah. All of a sudden, if that Sefer Torah drops to the floor, God forbid, it will be customary to fast. Why? To the uninitiated eye, it's nothing but cow skin. But we know that it's so much more it has now been transformed into a spiritual entity. And that gift to transform the physical into the spiritual was given to our people. That's why the let us make man call to heaven and earth is directed specifically toward us and would have made no sense to Ptolemy. Returning to King Ptolemy's chambers for one final example, let's skip ahead to the amendment of the king's wife's name, Rabbit. Why did the elders see fit to change that translation? And what message did the Gemara seek to convey by providing that, specifical exa- that specific example to us? Sometimes, when we're learning Torah or doing mitzvahs, we'll encounter things that we personally find uncomfortable. It's tempting to want to change those bits to suit our own comfort and sensibilities. But we don't do that. 
The Gemara uses the inane example of the king's wife's name to demonstrate how absurd it is to start changing the Torah to suit our personal feelings. We adhere to Torah myths not because it makes us feel good, but because it is the divine word. The Torah is Hashem's proclamation. Most of the time we appreciate the incredible blessing that a life of Torah mitzvahs provides. But when, on occasion, we struggle with the Torah's message, we must know that it's not the Torah that's imperfect, it is us. The Torah is absolutely perfect. If we fail to appreciate the Torah's message, we must work harder to come to terms with Hashem's holy guidebook. The Torah might need to be repackaged for the nations of the world so that they will not misinterpret it and use it against us. But we are maminim b'nei maminim, children, the children of believers, the children of believers. We trust Hashem's word even when we don't immediately understand it. Our response is to toil until we arrive at the pure meaning of the Torah. May you forever embrace the Torah on Hashem's terms, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf. Yeah.